It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio KCAW in Sitka. Today is Friday, September 22nd, 2023. I'm Catherine Klusmeyer with Raven News. Tom Williams is the only candidate for school board that Sitka voters will see on the October municipal ballot. Williams is looking for a three-year term after being appointed to the board in June. Williams appeared in an election forum on KCAW Wednesday night to answer questions from listeners. An official write-in candidate, Stephen Morse, was invited to appear, but was unable to attend. Williams was asked about the two most important jobs facing the school board this year, hiring a new superintendent and negotiating with the teachers' union. On the issue of a new superintendent, Williams said he would like to see someone interested in holding the job for a while. Is your desire to be a superintendent or to be the Sitka superintendent? And I think that's an important distinction. You know, we don't want to necessarily be a stop, you know, on the progression of somebody's development. We would like to see somebody here that would want to be here long term. I think that continuity is is important. Someone said at the uh, the workshop that the average length of a superintendent's employment is three years at any one district. And I found that to be kind of short, you know. That was a little surprising. But if that's what the industry standard is, then uh, hopefully we find someone that is not following that path, but rather is looking at a more long-term tenure here in Sitka. Williams is retired from the Coast Guard. His son is now the maintenance director for the school district, and his daughter-in-law teaches science at Blatchley Middle School. Williams makes no secret of his belief that teachers are undervalued. I also think that teachers are on the lower end of the salary scale in terms of uh, their qualifications and experience. Um, And I think that we don't necessarily reflect that in compensation. I think we do what we are able to do given our budget, but with anything, um, priorities are set and you fund those priorities. For me, we have three top priorities, facilities, students, and teachers and staff. Since leaving the Coast Guard, Williams has worked in various roles around the region, including serving as city administrator in Gustavus. He took issue when a listener asked him to pinpoint where education was failing students. Forum moderator Robert Woolsey asked the question on behalf of the listener. If one analogizes education as a platform with three supports, teachers, students, and parents, which of these legs is failing to adequately bear its weight in the successful education of Sitka students? Teachers, students, and parents. Well, the presumption is something is failing, so I'm not necessarily going to agree that something is failing. To have a percentage of failure in any organization, statistically, is probably not uncommon. Why a student fails could have all kinds of different reasons, intentional or unintentional. Williams pointed to students who had helped out during the fishing season or students who sometimes didn't thrive after transferring schools. Both created difficulties that should not be mistaken for failure. Tom Williams is running for one of three open seats on the Sitka School Board. The last day to file as an official write-in for school board is Thursday, September 28th in the municipal clerk's office. You can learn more about all the candidates in this year's municipal election in Sitka by visiting the KCAW Election Center online at kcaw.org. Alaska's population is shrinking, so why does the housing market feel tighter than ever? 
At Southeast Conference on Thursday, a panel of housing specialists highlighted key problems in the Alaska housing market and specific strategies to fix those issues. KCAW's Meredith Reddick reports. A housing shortage in Alaska is not really news or new. Nolan Clouda leads the University of Alaska's Center for Economic Development. I don't think housing's ever been like a particularly great spot in our economy for, for a lot of reasons. You know, we've always, we've always had high costs and problems with availability. Clouda said that although Alaska's population in most communities has declined slightly, housing demand has gone up about 9 percent since 2016. That's because families are having fewer children, so average household size has decreased. When adults live together, you know, they, they, there's usually one or two of them in a household, right? And so, and so we have uh, basically more households, even though we have fewer people, fewer people per household. Clouda said that efforts to build more housing can be stalled by a variety of factors. Sometimes it's topography, sometimes it's land ownership that, that doesn't allow for it. Um, anything that can be done to make land available, though, is important, including the building of, of access or site infrastructure, which sometimes local governments have, have the ability to, to Cloud has zeroed in on growing short-term rental markets as another area of concern. Even if it's not a big percent of your overall units at any point in time, it keeps growing. It keeps growing. And so it puts your community on sort of a collision course, you know, with, with housing availability and affordability. Jackie Pata is the president and CEO of Clinkett and Haida Regional Housing Authority, which provides housing assistance and financial support to communities across Southeast. Pata said that in addition to questions of infrastructure and regulation, she's been focused on financial education for homebuyers and training for local build crews. That approach has seen some success. She pointed to several small communities in southeast, including Yakutat and Ingoon, that are constructing new housing at a per capita rate above the statewide average. And my apprenticeship programs, like we have in Angoon, that can now build houses year over year with their own local crew, creating their own jobs. Um, because we definitely have a need, we leverage our dollars, we built our crew, and we continue to utilize them. And we realized that we were not going to have build and bust communities anymore. Randy Huey, the executive director of Sitka's Community Land Trust, shared another model for providing what he called permanently affordable housing. Under Sitka's model, eligible low- to moderate-income buyers purchase a small home on land owned by the trust. When they sell the home, their profits are capped to keep the home affordable for the next buyer. Like all other models of affordability, it turns renters into owners. And isn't that what we really want to do in our communities, is provide a way for young families to own a home and stay there and raise their kids and be a part of our communities? We want to turn renters into owners. Huey said land trusts are one small piece of the Alaska housing puzzle. Pata echoed a similar sentiment, saying that a multifaceted approach is necessary to work towards solving Alaska's housing crunch. We love where we are. We're part of the fabric and we're going to be here. Pata added that towns across the region were looking for every opportunity to make homes affordable, to help slow out migration and allow residents to, quote, stay in our villages and our communities. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Meredith Reddick. Thursday was the final day of Southeast Conference. You can find resources on their website at seconference.org. The Juno Assembly is considering repealing hazard maps and development restrictions that have been in place since the 1980s. It's the latest step in an ongoing debate about how the city should address landslide and avalanche dangers in downtown Juno. 
KTOO's Anna Canny has more. Deputy Mayor Maria Gladyshevsky introduced the new proposal at a Committee of the Whole meeting on Monday night. Everybody seems to agree that those current maps are not as good as they should be. The question is, you know, what responsibility does CBJ have to regulate development in those places that are hazard? So that's where we are. More than two years ago, the city commissioned new, more precise hazard maps to replace the maps that were adopted in 1987. The avalanche zones are similar in both versions of the maps. The problem is, the new maps expanded the landslide zones. Those areas now include more homes than before, and some neighborhoods were upgraded to a higher risk level. That's drawn concern from homeowners who worry about their ability to build and sell property in those zones. So instead of adopting new maps, the committee's proposal suggests doing away with existing hazard maps and regulations altogether. Some members of the assembly, including Michelle Hale, were opposed. It feels like we're flailing around trying to do something, but we don't understand this very well because it's complicated and it's hard. Others, like Wade Bryson, expressed their support, saying that the city should let developers and property owners make their own decisions about where to build. The concern that we would have a whole bunch of people building in hazard zones because we don't have a hazard or an avalanche zone labeled, I think that would be mistaken thinking because people are going to be like, oh, wow, that's a horrible place to go put my new home. Because the newly mapped avalanche areas are similar to the old maps, the Assembly's proposal leaves room to reintroduce development restrictions on avalanche zones. But if it moves forward, it would basically ignore landslide hazards. The new landslide maps would not be adopted, and the existing land use regulations for slide zones would be eliminated. Member Christine Wall expressed hesitation about that approach. The public does not yet know how serious the risk of landslides are in Juneau, um, and that they're getting worse every day with climate change. According to the Juneau Climate Change Report, landslides are expected to become more common as climate change brings more extreme rainstorms to southeast Alaska. And downtown Juneau does have a history of deadly slides. A mudslide on South Franklin Street in 1936 killed 15 people. The proposal will be the foundation of a new city hazard zone ordinance, which will be discussed in a future meeting. In Juneau, I'm Anna Canny. I'm Catherine Klusmeyer, and this has been Raven News. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning.